0: Welcome back to the Solo Collective. Today, we're going to talk about networking, which is one of those scary words, isn't it? And makes people think of um, conference rooms and cups, plastic cups of slightly warm white wine, which, frankly, nobody wants to engage with. And when I was thinking about all of this, I was thinking about something that happened to me very early on in my career, where actually I was still at university, where I went to a careers event and the financial journalist, Martin Lewis, was speaking. We got chatting afterwards. I was kind of brave enough to go and introduce myself to him. And it turned out to be probably one of the more powerful things that I did for my career, although I, can't, I couldn't have known that then. And I can only say that now after 20 years with a lens looking back. And it made me think that Networking can take a lot of forms and a lot of guises and it doesn't have to be highly formal and it doesn't necessarily have to come from an event and also it it can be quite difficult to see in the moment what the value of networking is, but actually it can be a pretty long game in the end and That's why it's worth engaging in. And sometimes maybe it's worth engaging in because it's interesting and it's fun or it could be fun. And that is why I wanted to talk to Abadesi Osunsade because she really knows networking. She's really, really good at it. We met on a panel and she runs The Hustle Crew, which is a network in and of itself to support underrepresented groups in career development, particularly in tech, which she created because she was frustrated with toxic working environments that she'd experienced earlier on in her career. And so Hustle Crew supports individuals and employers on how to make work more representative for underrepresented groups. But she also works as the VP of Global Community and Belonging at Brandwatch, which is a digital consumer intelligence company. She's also written a great book called Dream Big, Hustle Hard. So she's a brilliant, brilliant person to talk to about networking. I wanted to talk to you because networking. <laughs> because Networking! <yeah.
1: laughs>
0: I think for solo workers in particular, it's kind of a terrifying word, even. Absolutely. So maybe first of all we can talk about how <laughs> to make it less terrifying. Whether it's even a good word actually because i think <laughs> i was i was reflecting on networking and how i don't really do much formal networking and i don't really do much intentional yeah. networking but but yeah i have a, a big network because i've been working for 20 years and i was kind of like well did i do it wrong or did i do it right <laughs> I mean, you
1: clearly did it right now being, you know, the expert on surviving solo work. But I completely appreciate the fact that the word itself like already makes me start to feel a bit anxious. And I think that's because we first start learning about networking. I don't know when we're like in A-levels, like getting ready for like a careers event or when we're at university and we're thrust into these really alien quite corporate environments and forced to make connections but you know in the context of all the times that I've worked alone so you know my first year starting Hustle Crew just trying to mill around London startup scene and, and network <laughs> um, or even just being like a remote worker for the last four or five years of my life and and you know networking in co-working spaces or at events I would like to rename networking I would like to rename it something like practicing mutual appreciation because I do feel like but it that is ultimately what it is about it's about forming a bridge with someone new and trying to find something meaningful to have a conversation about and often it is really just appreciating what each other does. You know, you might be, in, you know, in my case, when I first started out, I was a first time founder. I had no idea what to do in terms of even registering a business with Companies House, let alone setting up a website, let alone like reaching out to clients. So for me, it was really helpful to go on LinkedIn and find women like me who'd already started similar businesses, whether that was a diversity consultancy, whether that was like a, a executive coach. And literally just like send this message out and be like, wow, I've just spent hours on your website. I love your blog. I love the way you put all your packages together. I've just started out. I have no idea where to go from here. I would be so grateful if you could give me 15 minutes just to tell me what you wish you knew at this stage. And that little, you know, seed of appreciation always became a really powerful way for people to kind of go, like, oh, thanks for taking a look. You're quite proud of the
0: website, just redid it, happy to chat. So yeah, I feel like it is about appreciation. Yeah, that's such a good way of thinking about it. Because I think quite often we think of networking as like a one-way thing, right? What Absolutely. can yeah. I get out of somebody? Or well, not even that necessarily, but like why would somebody want to network with me? Because all I'm going to do is want to take from them um, or sell to them, and that's kind of an upside down way of looking at it, I think, because actually it's always going to be even if it's quite transactional. It's always going to be two way, and actually making it less transactional is probably less transactional feeling is probably a good way of going about it. Anyway, yeah,
1: I think that comes from insecurity and imposter syndrome, doesn't it? You know, I, I mentor a lot of really young people just starting out, or you know, freelancers who are just starting out, and they, you know, look at people like us and go, "Why would anyone like that want to talk to me? They've written a book, they've got a podcast." And I always think, you know, you've got a fresh perspective you could offer. You know, you you come from like a, a Demographic or or a generation that's really interesting right now to brands and to the people that we work with. So if you come to me with, hey, I can offer you XYZ and I ask in return for ABC, that suddenly becomes really compelling. So I do think people should be creative and like think about what parts of their identity or their experiences can actually be a really interesting perspective for people they want to network with. Yeah.
0: And maybe even if you don't know exactly what bit would be, just make the assumption that there will be something about you which is interesting and useful or yes but then I guess the other thing and I remember somebody saying this to me when I was very young in my very first job on a newspaper she said always be really nice to the work experience people because they will be the people employing you in 20 years time and now (laughs) I love that 20 years 20 years later that is 100% true yeah like so one of my interns when I was at the observer and he was literally only about eighteen months behind me career-wise. Yeah, has now gone on to work for enormous fashion brands in an, in the editorial side, and commissions me to write for him every now and then. You know, it's so, it's a lovely, strange experience, but it, it's one hundred percent right. Like when you're networking, it doesn't necessarily yeah. have to be that you're networking with somebody who's like way above you. Sometimes mm. it's with your peers, right?
1: Yeah. I think, I think that's such a lovely, lovely story. I'm so happy to hear that. <laughs> it's also a reminder that maybe we don't have to be as like strategic in our community building as we think we have to be. Because, you know, when I first started out in the workplace and this is literally when I was a graduate, I would go to events that were advertised on the university careers page I almost felt that I was just obligated to go mm-hmm. because like everyone else was doing it. And I was like, I don't want to be a lawyer, but I'm like at Linklater's networking thing. I don't know what I'm doing here. You know, as a young person, I I guess I just thought it was like, let me just, you know, tick the box. Have you networked? Yes. What that story reminds me of is that networking is actually probably one of the most you know basic human skills we're social creatures it's been given this very formal corporate name that inspires like cringeworthy memories and stuff like that but in reality we are we are made to socialize and we're made to build connections and sometimes we start an internship or i don't know go to a festival and then literally just meet someone who's really cool and really interesting that we vibe with and then they They become a part of our quotation marks network Mm. and we don't even think it's going to amount to anything. But years down the line, there's actually an opportunity to collaborate. And I think now as lines are getting more and more blurred, maybe that's how we have to think about it. You know, not as networking, but like just building connections and building community and like building like this kind of like minded group of folks all across the internet who we vibe with, like I would love to, you know, hear from you, especially as a solo worker, around networking on social media. Because I personally feel that the moment I switched into
0: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At Blue Nile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
1: Working in like the diversity space, I'd worked in tech before. I'd worked in product, I'd worked in sales, but I was like, okay, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to work in the diversity space. A lot of the people doing this work were in Silicon Valley and I was here in London So I would just follow them on Twitter and read their threads and engage with everything that they said. And it was years before I met some of these people in real life. When we finally met in real life, it was like we'd known each other for ages because we were so au fait with each other's content and socials and stuff like that. But I just feel like there was never a time when I first started out my career where I thought that could be possible, that I would make a a valued connection on social media that ended up helping me land clients for my business or expand in new markets. But that is literally what happened.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's the boon and the problem, I guess, with social media, right? Is that, you know, there are some aspects of it, which I find incredibly challenging, or, you know, negative. And then there are other parts of it, which are absolutely vital to the way that most of us work. (laughs) And disentangling the two can be quite tricky. But I totally agree. I think it's got huge value. I definitely didn't envisage that that would be the case when I first started using it I thought it was just somewhere to put pictures of cake yeah (laughs) (laughs) basically
1: no I feel you and I think that's another like reminder that maybe we should be open-minded about the different channels that we conceive of for like networking to take place in because I think we're kind of trained in a way to like network IRL Mm -hmm. you know that was what happens you know when you first graduate or like whatever when you're at school but if we've learned anything over the last, you know, 18 months, two years, it's that that's not always possible. And in a way, You know, I actually feel that some of my most valued connections, I first stumbled upon online because I read one of their medium posts and thought, wow, that's amazing. Or they were shared in a friend's Instagram stories. And I thought, oh, who is this person? What is this project? And that's actually really exciting because that makes networking so democratized, right? It just means that no matter where you are in the world, if you can set up a social media account, you can literally start connecting with all the people in the field that you want to excel in, or you want to launch a product in. And that's really exciting. Yeah,
0: definitely. And it's not just democratizing, but it also opens up the field to people who don't excel in real life situations. It makes it so much easier to make connections in a way that suits you specifically.
1: And I think one of the things I wanted to say is like, you know, I, I have so far been speaking so positively about, Networking, building connections, you know, just like growing this pool of people that you know and who you're connected to online. But I think it is worth talking about why so many of us actually have really negative experiences of networking, especially if we're underrepresented in the workplace. Because I think, you know, I was that kind of person where I've been to tech conferences like, you know, all around the world and I would literally look for the other woman or like the other woman of color and immediately gravitate towards them. I've walked into networking events and it's almost just like this impenetrable wall of people, often people that, you know, don't look like you, maybe they're older than you, they, you know, it can be really, really intimidating. And I think that's why for me, finding like communities became the game changer when i first started like work as a solo founder on my own in london I would go to events like Geek Girl Meetup. And I was like, oh, I'm a geek. I'm a girl. This is amazing. And it was like the first type of networking event where I was just like, I could talk to anyone. I could talk to anyone, and that was fine. And there were other events like Future Girl Court by Charmaine Reed and Amy Thompson of Moody. And I would go to their events and I would walk in, and there would just be this sea of female faces. And I was like, oh my God, hallelujah. Where has this been? And so, that was really the first time. And I, at that point, I was already 29. So I'd been working for a really long time. But that was when I first started to enjoy IRL networking, because up until that point, you know, networking in real life as a tech professional was a very intimidating space where I often felt
0: excluded. Yeah, that's really interesting and really important. And also, I don't know, maybe it would be good to get your perspective on this. How do we know how to maintain connections well like how do we strike the right balance is it a question of doing it on a case by case basis because sometimes I really neglect relationships
1: yeah (laughs) I'm so with you on that I mean I personally feel like I'm even neglecting some of the closest most valuable relationships in my life right now like you know our ability to reach out is so connected to our mental health and like our own capacity and I think like there are times where someone will you know called. Message me and be like, oh, say I'd love to like you know have coffee for you, blah, 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 and like, and then like this random thought will come into my head, like, when did you last call your sister, <laughs> or take your sister for coffee? But I will. That's how my brain works. And then I'm suddenly just like, I can't reply to this stranger until I do like a bit of housekeeping first and actually like check in on the people who you know have nurtured me and like are here for me. So I find this question just absolutely fascinating and like so hard to answer. I think for me, one of the things that I really think about is like you know, sticking purely to like professional connections and like how I keep them updated or stay updated with them. I do try my best to like use like LinkedIn as I know so many people have like a love hate relationship with LinkedIn, but as far as like work goes, it has actually been a really effective place for me to like post milestones, post updates and keep up with other like connections, updates too. And if not LinkedIn, then Twitter. And there are lots of people who I might see for the first time after a year and be able to catch up with them because I'm like, oh, I saw that on social media, you know, and, and Instagram, some, some of the people in my network are more more about Instagram stuff. Um, So I really think it's just about picking the medium that is very frictionless for you and letting that be the place where you post milestones. But you know, I've got um, other people in my network who write Substack newsletters, or their own personal newsletters, um, or are like really big on Medium. and, And I just subscribe to their newsletters or, you know, follow them on Medium. And When they push something out like, hey, exciting news, I'm like moving to this company or I've just published this or I'm working on this project. It's so important to reply. I think so many people just like absorb updates from people in their network or like do that minimal engagement like, oh, I clapped it. I liked it. I double clicked it but reply to people, like reply and be like, Hey, it's so cool. Like last time we, we spoke, you were just thinking about this. I can't believe you finished it now. That's amazing. So I do think that is really important.
0: As an addition to that, I was going to ask, like, how do you set aside time for that? Because I mean, do you, do you block out like a half hour in the week to do, to do stuff like that? Or does it happen more kind of piecemeal and organically throughout your time? So I
1: do, I do actually block out time at, like on Monday and Friday to do social media updates and also to, to literally just engage on social media. I know this sounds crazy because we're also like engaging on social media when we don't want to do work, but I'm talking about like mindful social media. So like I, I love to do weekly updates just to inform community members, but also to inform people in my network. I like to catch up on other people's updates, all the different communities I'm in. I want to know what's happening, what events are happening, what can we like support, get involved with, engage with, you know, the creative tech space, there's always things going on, launches, events. you know, networking things. So yeah, I do actually block out time. And it's like actually quite fun, because then it's like a nice way to bookend the week, you can kind of be like, okay, what am I looking forward to doing this week? What's on my agenda? So yeah, I've really built that into my work practice.
0: How do we get a bit better at thinking about I guess selling ourselves or maybe we shouldn't think of it in those terms. Cause yeah, I think so many of us feel awkward about that. Right. Yeah. Really awkward.
1: <laughs> yeah. There's something a bit like Jezebel about I'm selling myself. Like, <laughs> yeah. but you know, it's like, I, cause I've used that language before when I've done like, you know, workshops, career skills, workshops, I'm like, sell yourself. And people are like, it makes me feel uncomfortable. But I think, you know, that I'm going to say this specifically to like women listeners of this show, the gender pay gap is getting a lot worse in the pandemic. It's getting a lot, lot worse. In that context of a reality, if you are not doing everything you can to maximize your chance to land the best opportunities, get promoted, get paid more, win bigger clients, you know, work on bigger projects. You are literally doing yourself a disservice, and you know you can name it whatever you want: self promotion, self selling, social justice, feminism, getting your your dues, your just desserts. Like I don't, I don't care what you call it, but you have to do it. And even if you don't feel comfortable doing it for yourself, do it for the generation of women who are going to come, you know, next. Because there's all this incredible research about likability bias likability bias or like the likability penalty is what happens when women are expected to behave a certain way because of outdated gender roles. And so we're kind of like perpetuating negative stereotypes about women by not selling ourselves enough or by not promoting ourselves enough. And we've got to normalize that. Like there are times where I've done like a glow up post on, on social media and trolls have been like, oh, you think you're all that? And I'm like, yeah, I freaking do. <laughs> and I want that to be the norm. Yeah. Like, I want women to glow up without people being like, how dare you? Men get to do it? Why call yeah. me? Oh. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass."
0: So how do we do it? Like, what are the practical steps forward that we can take in terms of not not just kind of like destroying the patriarchy, which I'm totally for, <laughs> um, but but yeah. all, but just like the nitty gritty of, I guess, how do you? I mean, do you walk up to somebody in a at a conference, say, or? do you cold email them or and start yeah. like, how do you start it? I think
1: I think there's so many different combinations of things. I think the the best place to start is to put yourself in the shoes of that connection. Right. So, you know, the more you can um, have compassion and empathy for what their inbox might look like or what their to do list might look like, the more you can like create that like first approach in a way that's really going to like stand out and be respectful towards their time right because at the end of the day what you want is one of the most competed for commodities and that is attention like you're asking for someone's attention in a world where you're fighting with their devices their loved ones you know everything for it so that would be like my first thing like you know if someone is often on twitter then it could be a good idea to put together like a really well-crafted like DM or reply, acknowledging something relevant that they've shared or that they're working on. And then like, you know, attaching to that, like your ask or your offer. And I actually think it can be really powerful the first time you reach out to someone to like offer something, not ask for something because any, any connection is ultimately like a relationship that you're nurturing and you wouldn't go on the first date and ask someone to marry you. You're going to go on the first date and ask them to tell you like what their favorite movies and albums are. And then as the dates progress, you're going to maybe then, you know, build up to something like a dinner at your house, right? You're not just going to go straight in with that. So why would a random stranger on the internet want to be your mentor or sit on your advisory board or, you know, read a draft of your new book. Like you got to build up to the big asks. So, yeah, I think just starting small, showing appreciation, offering support. And once that, you know, that tiny little flame is starting to burn a bit, you can go for something, something bigger. But, yeah, I think a lot of people mess up by going straight in with an ask or a demand or a request and then also like doing it either on a platform that that person isn't super active in or they do it in an email and like let's face it busy people like have so many emails so it's just about being like as thoughtful as you can be and as patient
0: as you can be yeah it's a long game right the whole thing is a long yes, game yes
1: absolutely and there are some people who I have probably like first reached out to maybe like one or two or even three years before they finally actually deigned a reply to me because, you know, when you're first starting out or like you're trying to like get more into a space, you just kind of put feelers out and nothing comes back to you. So, you know. In in my case, it might be like an investor that I really wanted to get into my network or something like that. I'll just be like, hey, I saw you writing about this. Have you seen this article about it? Nothing comes back. A few months later, oh, I just listened to your podcast, you were talking about this. Have you seen this new book coming out about it? Nothing comes back. You know, then they send out a newsletter and I kind of reply to that, like, oh my God, I just saw you featured this. Suddenly they reply. And they saw your other messages, but it just wasn't quite relevant at the time. And I think that's a reminder to not give up as well, especially if you're kind of like aiming to, you know, gain a connection that is a super connected person, like a really like, yeah, busy person. Is that
0: also about having a thickish skin or kind of trying to develop a thickish skin? Oh, yeah. Because I guess I can just I'm just imagining myself younger me would send one email, not get a reply, be crushed. (laughs) you know, assume immediately that I'd made some grave error or insulted them or something and then never do it again.
1: Yeah. Um. (laughs) I mean, totally, totally get, get that thick skin. I mean, I think, I think one of the other reasons why networking is so awkward for people is because we all have rejection issues. We all remember like not being picked to play on the team or like not getting a Valentine's card or not being invited to someone's like, I don't know, birthday party at school. And, you know, rejection issues start so, so young and then like carry on to like first crushes and whatever. And in a way, you know, not getting a reply to an email or not getting a LinkedIn connection, you know, request accepted, all of those things are mini rejections. And so if you can't accept that you have a fear of rejection or like a negative relationship with rejection, you're probably not going to get very far networking. And you know, it happens in real life as well. Like how many times have you tried to like break into a conversation at a networking event? Everyone just ignores you or like (laughs) carries on and like keeps talking and you're like, Oh, I just died a little inside, but that's cool. I'll walk over there. You know, you do, you do have to be thick skinned. And you just, I think you just have to learn to laugh at it because like, rejection is also kind of funny and also like you know you you receive as much rejection as you give And that's what we often forget when we're afraid or like we feel slighted. It's like, how dare they? And it's like, how many unread or unreplied to messages are in your LinkedIn inbox right
0: now or in your email inbox right now?
1: (laughs) Or, you know, so it's like, it's, you know, it's a balance. It it all, it all adds up in the end.
0: Oh, that's so true. I reject (laughs) as much as I'm rejected. I'm sure. I mean, yeah, Yeah. you do. So how do we talk about our skills when we're networking? Like, Is there a way of doing it that doesn't sound like you're just copy and pasting from a CV? (laughs)
1: Yeah, just running through a bullet point checklist. I'm the kind of person where I like, where things are really important to me, but then also make me a bit uncomfortable or a bit anxious. Like I do just like to practice and rehearse them. And I know that sounds really lame, but it's what I've always done. So I'm just not gonna stop doing it. And I say this to a lot of the people that I mentor, it can be really, really powerful to just have those kind of like sound bites or like party lines. I feel like politicians do this. And I feel like when like actors and directors are promoting a new movie, they've kind of got those like lines that they use to like sell them it's, it's a well-known tactic. So why can't we do it for ourselves? Like, you know, if we are, you know, an incredible copywriter that speaks Spanish, French, and Portuguese or whatever, like why, why can't we think of a really fun way to say that that captures people's imaginations? There are a lot of people who have these really like authentic, like, I'm not going to lie. They're not like cringe and lame, like authentic and funny rehearsed openers. And, you know, you can tell it's not the first time they've said it, but then it's so witty and smart that it's almost like, I don't even mind that you have clearly used that before because that was funny and I'm going to remember you. So I think it is worth people, yeah, really just like developing those little phrases that they can say that just, you know, show off their achievement, show off their accolades, show off the skills that they're most proud of. And sometimes that first phrase that comes out your mouth or is in your email is what really captures people's attention. So don't be afraid to craft something like don't, don't force your brain to make up something witty, compelling and imaginative on the spot when you're potentially inebriated or frozen with like fear, (laughs) shyness,
0: you know, why? (laughs) That's so true. It's actually, it's interesting that you put it like that. That's definitely something that I've learned in the last year or so of promoting this book is that you you can say the same thing over and over again to different groups of people, and that's fine. <laughs> like you don't have to you don't have to come up with something fresh every single time you're having the same conversation. It's so funny, isn't it? We definitely, or I definitely have have not not really had that like realization before. What about a personal brand? Like, how do we feel about ah, that? So important <laughs> is it?
1: well, it's weird because so this is what I understand a personal brand to be. Like I understand a personal brand to be someone like, let's say Emma Gannon, right? I hear the name and I immediately know what she works on, what she advocates for and what she represents. So I know that Emma Gannon is a millennial writer who's really passionate about like multi-hyphen careers and like, you know, challenging traditional career paths and like throwing yourself at whatever is really interesting. And like building in like, yeah, an unorthodox freelancer, creative life, and also super passionate about like blogging and the experiences of women and like the modern world. And I just feel that like that in a way makes me feel like all of her work is like incredibly values driven and really like purpose driven. And I feel that we're, we're entering such a like ethical and conscious stage of capitalism that it can actually be really valuable for people to know why you do the stuff that you do. And I think people like Simon Sinek bang on about this all the time, but also like Brene Brown and like a bunch of other people who I kind of feel are like OG personal brand people because there are people that know those people and they've like never read any of their books and they've never like watched any of their Ted talks, but they probably know what they're about. You're like, Oh, Brené Brown vulnerability. Yeah. 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 You know? And you'd be like, Oh, Simon Sinek. Oh yeah. Power of why, you know, like purpose. Yeah. duh, And that to me is just like, wow. Like, you know, just by hearing their name, what they're striving for and like what fuels their work so i feel like there is a lot of power in that especially if you are a solo worker a freelancer you are competing for jobs you want to know why someone's going to pick you as their copywriter or uh, you know graphic designer whatever over someone else I feel like having that personal brand could then be your competitive advantage. Maybe people have seen you on social media before they've seen your resume or your application and suddenly they're like, wait, I know this person. Oh my God, like I do feel personal brands just can be a competitive advantage. And they're not hard because a personal brand is basically talking about what motivates you and what drives you and like hopefully finding like-minded people that need to
0: hear that story. That's such a good way of thinking about it. Cause I always felt sort of, I don't know, simultaneously kind of clueless because my background isn't I don't have any branding skills as it were and and also just sort of like it was icky you know that (laughs) I was gonna try I was gonna have to create like a logo for myself and that it was making myself into a package that was saleable or whatever but actually what you're talking about is something more akin to just having a um an elevated pitch for your personality
1: Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And I think also just as the lines between professional and personal get more and more blurred, it's also about inviting people to learn more about the person behind that job title or the person behind that byline, the person behind that role. Like, who are you as a person? And I've sometimes heard people be like, oh, I want to start doing more blogging or like more posting about, you know, my work or my project. But I just don't feel comfortable telling people about stuff like, oh, what am I going to do? Like tell them what I had for breakfast or tell them where I'm going on holiday. And I'm like, that's such a like silly argument because really there are so many things you could talk about like how are you even planning your days to get this book done or you know how are you managing the creative process for this exhibition you're working on like there's like so much beyond the work behind it's basically behind the scenes isn't it like personal branding is what's happening behind the scenes you could pick anything there's so many options so pick the one that's comfortable for you but which is inviting people to see another layer and just go from there
0: I love that you use the word comfortable there like it's about how to make networking comfortable like all of this should be about figuring out what feels comfortable and doing it that way I think so rather than doing anything that feels uncomfortable but <laughs> at the same time not doing nothing
1: doing something I think I'm I, I'm really obsessed with habits like I'm just obsessed with habits like not just because I read that James Clear Mm -hmm. book, Atomic Mm -hmm. Habits, but like, because I do think, you know, it's habits that create lasting change and lasting impact. And that's on an individual level, but also on on a societal level. And I never want to be someone that's recommending something that can't be sustainable. Um, I'm not going to ever recommend something that I myself wouldn't try. And that's why I don't want to start like suggesting some, you know, flamboyant networking tactics that become so hard to like keep up or maintain or that like creates so much, you know, energy expense on your side. Like, I just want it to be something that's doable and manageable so you can make a habit out of it. Like the most frictionless, you know, most comfortable way for you to post about stuff that's going on in your life to post, you know, to stay in touch with connections, to build new connections, pick that path because any other one, you're going to like do ones and be like,
0: I'm over networking.
1: It's dead to me.
0: Right. So true. You know, I guess it's just, it's just about formatting the way that you go about these things so that you're optimizing it for yourself and it's not draining you and you don't feel guilty about the bits of it that you're not doing.
1: (laughs) You might think you're onto the most frictionless type of, you know, networking or personal branding, whatever it might be. But until you experiment with a new platform or a new tool, you don't necessarily know that. So I do think it is worth experimenting with new things that come out, TikTok, Substack, whatever, even if it doesn't end up being what you stick with, because like where people network is also always evolving. So like you also need to retain your curiosity to try new things, even if it isn't where you end up. Yeah. So yeah, like, you know, I'm always up for like downloading the newest, app that people are networking on like I might just like. I also really like to take my name on all platforms abidesi before anyone else does not that they would because I think I'm the only one but still (laughs) anytime there's a new networking app I'm like I'm on it I'm here clubhouse let's go whatever but yeah even if you don't end up sticking with it I do think there's value in just like testing it
0: out yeah yeah that's very true that's and I think as well sometimes it can take a while for things to catch light in your own life anyway But, you know, I think it took me a really long time after I technically joined Instagram to start using it in a kind of meaningful way. So for networking, I mean, thank you. That was brilliant. I really, really enjoyed that conversation. And I feel like I've learned a lot, which is both great and slightly scary considering how long I've been working. Always be learning. This is true. Uh, No, thank you.
1: (laughs) It's It's been incredible and always enjoy chatting with you. So hopefully we get to do it again soon. Oh, I'd love
0: that, definitely. This whole conversation is probably proof that networking is great, right? Because I wouldn't have known Abadesi if I hadn't done the panel with her and then reached out to her afterwards to see if she wanted to have this conversation. And I'm sure that this conversation won't be the last conversation either. And there's so much to learn, right? So much to learn that there are so many different forms of networking that you can choose which medium to use to do your networking that it doesn't have to be in real life but it can be if you want to um that it's a long game that it can be a short game that there will be rejection inherently within it and that's okay that's that's normal that's tolerable and that there are ways that it can be fun even that it's almost the same as just regular socializing and developing community and friendships that you can format it into the way that you work, you can set aside time to do it, or you can do it in a more organic way. And that essentially you can make networking whatever fits best with you, as, as Abadesi put it, whatever's comfortable for you and, and with as little friction as possible. And I'm not sure that I've ever thought about networking in exactly that way. So I think my idea of it as something that involves warm white wine in plastic cups is basically dead now. You have been listening to The Solo Collective with me, Rebecca Seal, a Chalk and Blade original produced by Fatuma Keira, the senior producer was Laura Hyde, original music by Dee Plume and engineering by Matt Nielsen.
1: Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact
0: chalk and blade.